Blog Talk Radio. Forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. Yeah, we were outside. 
and um, it got a little windy and stuff was blowing all over the place. And at one time, all my musical notes just flew off into oblivion. <laughs> I had them on a music stand. I thought they were locked down in the binder, meaning through the bindings, and I guess I had overlooked that little detail. And I sat it on the music stand, went back inside to get like a kombucha or whatever I was doing, and uh, I go outside and they're just scattered all over the parking lot. <laughs> I'm like, well, I guess I'm not referring oh, to those. Oh, were you able to retrieve <laughs> any of them? Yeah, we did. Actually, some nice lady actually helped me retrieve a, a, a fairly good amount. I couldn't believe just how much blew away so quickly, just turning my back mm-hmm. for a moment, and they were inside of a book. <laughs> it right. wasn't like it was loose paper, you know. <laughs> but uh, We were out Sunday, too, at um, in eastern Connecticut, uh, doing a long weed walk out there, and it was really windy and cold. Yeah. And, well, and we were glad to have a fire to stand around and get ourselves smoky. And more. Oh, that was, we should have had it. We should have lit something on fire. I wonder if the the people in the in the storefronts would have <laughs> said anything about that. <laughs> Don't and mind course, us. We just got a nice little bonfire going here in front of the stores. <laughs> and of course, because we were in Connecticut, we had to talk about astragalus. Oh, okay. Right, because Connecticut, Lyme, Connecticut is what Lyme disease is named after. Oh, wow, I did not know that. Yes. Lyme disease started in Connecticut. They actually, the story that I heard was that they thought that there was Lyme disease in deer ticks around Lyme, Connecticut, in that far eastern part of Connecticut, and that it was, there were boundaries, their natural boundaries, rivers and the Long Island Sound that kind of kept it in check, but that there was a forest fire in that area, and it caused the deer to be so frightened that they swam the Long Island Sound over to Sag Harbor. And Sag Harbor is where the disease was first seen in New York State. So since we were in Connecticut, since I had brought four apprentices to Connecticut, and since I was sitting there with a group of women in Connecticut, um, a couple of, uh, one of whom's daughter had Lyme disease and a couple of whom had Lyme disease or had been bitten by ticks and weren't sure whether they had Lyme disease or not. So we talked about the things that we do to help prevent Lyme disease and things that could be done if you think you have Lyme disease. We talked about using the spray of yarrow tincture on our ankles and reapplying that hourly. And how effective that is. We talked about, we talked about astragalus, about putting astragalus in our food or making astragalus infusion using a full ounce of the astragalus. And you can put the powdered astragalus in food or you can just drop um, pieces of the dried astragalus root into your food. And it's quite unusual in that it's the root of a plant in the pea and bean family. And while we eat a lot of seeds from this family, we generally don't eat, like, we don't say, hey, let's have some green bean root for dinner tonight. Hmm. Right? Or let's, you know, let's have some pea roots for dinner tonight. So astragalus 
being in this family and the fact that we use the root of it and that it has a large and sweet root, already it's really interesting to us. Now, astragalus, the first mention that we have of astragalus being used as an herbal medicine is in the oldest herbal that we have, a, a text from China that's 2,000 years old, 3,000 years old, um, and I've heard even older because even though the text itself might be two or 3,000 years old, it purports to be sharing information that is two or 3,000 years old. And astragalus is mentioned there, so long, long used. And in fact, it is one of the 50 fundamental herbs in Chinese medicine and is considered to be one of the superior tonic herbs. In fact, says Stephen Herod Booner, in his book, Herbal Antibiotics, astragalus has become one of the primary immune herbs used worldwide. Since its introduction from China approximately 40 years ago, astragalus has taken the world by storm. <clears throat> Ayurveda recognizes astragalus, that's the herbal medicine of India, um, but as a minor herb and used primarily as an emollient. The traditional uses in China are for spleen deficiency, and that doesn't necessarily mean your actual physical spleen, with lack of appetite, fatigue, and diarrhea. It is specific for all disease conditions accompanied by weakness and sweating. Astragalus stabilizes and protects the vital energy, the chi, and is used for wasting diseases, numbness of the limbs, and paralysis, for tonifying the lungs, for shortness of breath, for frequent colds and flus, as a diuretic, as a way to reduce edema, for tonifying the blood, for blood loss, especially postpartum, for diabetes, for promoting the discharge of matter from a superating wound for chronic ulcerations, including of the stomach, and for sores that are not draining or healing well. That's a lot of different things they use astragalus for. I have never used it externally. How interesting. Western botanic practice, basically, uh, astragalus wasn't even heard of when I first started studying herbal medicine. You wouldn't have been able to find a single book anywhere in America that mentioned astragalus. But by <clears throat> the late 70s, moving into the um, 80s, Chinese medicine was starting to take hold. Acupuncture schools had opened in the United States, and there were people who were interested in Chinese herbs. Since these people who were interested in Chinese herbs were the students and sometimes the friends of the herbalists working in the United States, the word about astragalus soon passed, and it became almost everybody's favorite immune system nourishing herb. Considerable amount of scientific testing has occurred with astragalus, says Stephen Herod Booner in his book, Herbal Antibiotics. Both in vivo and in vitro studies, Medline lists uh, 800 citations for studies with astragalus, not including the Chinese studies that are not indexed to Medline. Two U.S. patents have been granted for the use of astragalus for immunostimulation, in other words, nourishing and helping the immune system. 
<clears throat> what I have listed here and I'm telling you about is merely a sampling of these 800 studies that Stephen Herod Booner. And he talks about astragalus being used to improve immune function, being used for treating heart disease, possessing incredible anti-inflammatory activity, improving memory, effective in alleviating fatigue, and effective in the clinical treatment of hepatitis B and liver disease. As you probably would guess, most of the clinical studies and trials of astragalus have focused on its immune functioning, especially in the treatment of cancer cancer and as an adjunct to chemotherapy to help stimulate chemodepressed immune function. Astragalus has been used with children who suffer a complex of heart abnormalities that occur together at birth. Surgery corrects it and astragalus helps those children get through the surgery. When used in the treatment of herpes simplex, um, astragalus was found to be effective. He's going into a lot of detail here that I'm not going into with you. He's describing the specific pathways that astragalus uses, IL-2, C3, C4, IL-10, and so on. A clinical study with 63 people suffering serious abdominal traumatic injury found that the addition of astragalus to their treatment regime significantly increased cellular immunity. Basically, the way we're using astragalus and the easy way to use astragalus is just use it. It's going to make you better. It's going to make you, if you're already good, it's going to make you even better than good. If you're already best, it's going to make you better than best. And if you ain't feeling so well, it is definitely going to help and help a whole lot. Astragalus has been found to be specifically useful in preventing or reversing immunosuppression from any source, whether it's age-related, bacterial, viral, or chemical. Astragalus increases the superoxide dismutase production of macrophages in your own body. It has a very broad immunostimulatory effect, and white blood cell counts improve significantly, normalize when used with cancer patients. Numerous clinical trials with astragalus have found that astragalus is specific for inhibiting Cox B infections, both as an antiviral and as a heart protector. In fact, it reverses damage to the heart in a number of conditions such as Lyme carditis. Astragalus has a very strong impact on left ventricular function, thus angina and shortness of breath. It is not completely protective, but it goes a long way toward improving heart function. 
in a trial of astragalus for two weeks with 19 people with congestive heart failure. 15 of those people had alleviation of their symptoms of chest distress, and their exercise tolerance increased substantially. When we imaged what was going on with their hearts, we show, saw, saw that the left ventricle ejection function had improved a lot, and heart rate had slowed from 88 to 54 beats a minute. In another trial, 43 people suffering from myocardial infarction, heart attack, were tested with astragalus, and again, left ventricular function was strengthened. Superoxide dismutase activity and red blood cell levels were increased, and lipid peroxidation of plasma was reduced. When compared to lidocaine and and another drug, astragalus showed itself to be better than the drugs. In the treatment of 92 patients suffering ischemic heart disease, astragalus was more successful than the drug nifedipine. In fact, patients were markedly relieved from angina, and test results improved over 83%. Astragalus has been found to possess anti-inflammatory activities, and it inhibits the NFKB pathway and blocks the effects of interleukin-1 beta. Whoa! The whole herb decoction reduces capillary hyperpermeability. Are you wowed yet? <laughs> Absolutely, right? (laughs) I mean, this is one of the reasons why I love Stephen's books. Because he really gets out there and he really digs around. You're not going to look in Stephen's book and find astragalus improves immune function. He's going to get right down to the detail of exactly what it's doing. We're not just going to learn that it's effective to help people who have heart problems. We're going to learn the specifics of those problems. It helps people with angina. It helps people with congestive heart failure. It helps people um, who have had heart attacks. And it specifically helps the left ventricle. It's amazing to me that we can follow through with the plants so specifically. And I am thrilled that this kind of research has been done with the whole plant because often we get research that's done with just one constituent from the plant rather than the entire plant. Especially in heart patients, astragalus has been found effective to relieve fatigue. Astragalus positively influences the anaerobic threshold, enhances recovery from fatigue, and increases fatigue threshold. Even adults with chronic fatigue had significantly decreased fatigue scores after taking astragalus. And again, uh, hepatitis, I think it's worth repeating, a number of trials have found astragalus effective in the clinical treatment of hepatitis B and liver disease. Liver function is improved, and the liver is protected from damage, and regeneration of the liver is stimulated when 
astragalus is taken. K.P.S. Kalsa, a Sika herbalist here in the United States, and Robin Landis have a tasty recipe for an immune-enhancing astragalus broth in their book, Herbal Defense, says Stephen Herod Booner in his book, Herbal Antibiotics. Pretty easy. Three cups of water, one ounce of astragalus, one bulb of garlic sliced. Combine water, astragalus, and garlic and simmer for several hours. Season with salt to taste. Consume as much broth as you want if you feel an infection coming on. Or take a cup or two several times during the week to prevent infection. You can leave the garlic in the broth. Or you can spread it on bread. Mm, mm, mm. And how about immune-enhancing rice? Four cups water, one and a half ounces sliced astragalus root. Put it together, bring it to a boil, and then add two cups of brown rice. That's the easy way. Here's an even better way. Add one and a half ounces to four cups of water. Bring to a boil. And simmer, covered for two hours. Remove from heat and let stand overnight. Now, measure how much you have and add enough water to bring the volume back to four cups. Bring to a boil, add the rice, and cook. You've infused that overnight as well as decocting it for two hours. Keep your pan tightly covered. You know, rice keeps for a long time. In the refrigerator, often up to two weeks you can keep your brown rice. Why not make yourself a big pot of brown rice with astragalus boiled in the water? Even if you can't do it overnight, just dropping it in there will really help. And remember, the reason we're talking about this is because we were in Connecticut and we were talking about Lyme disease. Stephen Herod Booner, in his book, Healing Limes, tells us that astragalus is the best herb to help prime the immune system to resist the advances of Lyme. So that if you are bitten by a tick carrying that, that your body is going to resist that. It's not a done deal. The fact that a tick has Lyme disease and bites you doesn't mean you're going to get it. The fact that you get it from a tick doesn't mean it's going to go past that early stage. This is the goal, is to keep it away or to keep it at that early stage and to remove it. And astragalus is our ally in doing that. Hooray, hooray, hooray. Have you been using astragalus at all? Myself? Um, actually, I don't have a lot of experience with it, even though we certainly carry it in the store. Sometimes for immune, I go with uh, some mushroom stuff and some other things. But, uh, yeah, now I'm definitely going to start um, considering that as something for for multiple things, including when I was a kid I had a heart murmur. And so hearing that it's also good for things in the, in the heart, and uh, I think I'm definitely going to start uh, maybe making infusions out of it or something like that. 
Yeah, I, you know, it was also news to me <clears throat> when I read in Stephen's book that it had such profound effect on such a variety of different heart conditions. Again, I think of it as a general nourishing herb. <clears throat> I think of it as an herb that's really, really good for protecting and nourishing and even stimulating the immune system. But I really had no idea. And remember, he said, that's, this is just a sampling of the things that we have found about how effective astragalus is. No wonder its use goes back thousands of years. No wonder it is one of the 50 main herbs, not just in the Chinese pharmacopoeia now, but I would say in the American pharmacopoeia as well. You know me for a person who very strongly focuses on using local herbs, and astragalus certainly is not local, although there are a few places now in America that are growing it. But astragalus, as Stephen Herod Booner says, has been completely embraced by American herbalists, myself included. And, hey, I like to go to Chinatown. You like to go to Chinatown? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, Chinatown is fun. So now I have one more thing. I can go to Chinatown. I can buy shiitake. I can buy astragalus, and it's fun to see all the different sizes and types of astragalus that are there. I find it really easy to put astragalus into food, even the big. It comes in things that look kind of like tongue depressors or like long strips of the root. You know, in macrobiotics, they talk about slicing the root, not like strictly from top to bottom, but slantwise, and that gets the energy of heaven and the energy of earth working together in the root. And that's exactly what the Chinese do with this particular root, with the astragalus root. They slice that root in the slantwise direction. And I've gotten American-grown astragalus root, and it comes in um, kind of, kind of um, I want to say shredded, but Shredded makes you think small pieces, and these were actually large pieces, but they weren't sliced. And I found it perhaps because of my, you know, being introduced to astragalus as these tongue depressor things. I found it a little disturbing to have my wonderful American grown astragalus just kind of look like um, lint from the vacuum cleaner bag. Instead of these nice flat pieces that I was used to, the nice flat pieces, also if you throw them in a soup or a stew or something like that, you can fish them back out again. I, of course, leave them in there because I, I like the teaching detail there, but I do tell people don't try to eat it. Right? It's a stragglers root. It's too hard. It's No matter how long you cook it, it's never going to get anything other than just too woody and too hard to eat. But the... the um, stuff that I had gotten and was grown in the United States because of the way it had been processed. If I had put it into food like that, I would not have been able to get it back out. It's like my food would have had all this like chunky, inedible stuff in it. What I did do was I used it as infusions. I weighed it out, put it in a jar, used it as infusion where I'm going to strain it anyhow. And um, I also, if I really wanted to cook with it, because I bought a pound of it, I put it in a, a mesh bag, <coughs> excuse me, a jelly bag. 
and you can always buy jelly bags, and they're kind of porous, and they're food safe, so you can drop it into your soup with your herb in it. And uh, but you used to do that with uh, a fine herb, with the fine herbs uh, from France, where they didn't want um, the herb itself to blemish the clear aspect of the clear consomme, they would put the herbs in a bag and boil them so that we got the flavor and the savor of the herbs without having any part of it there. So lots and lots and lots of ways to use astragalus. I'm going to be checking back in with you as the summer progresses and finding out how you are using astragalus because I find that once people kind of get hip to it and start using it, they come up with lots of inventive ideas. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't be surprised to find that astragalus actually has the effect of making us more creative. Mm. It's that kind of all-round thing. The apprentice who's been drinking the most astragalus is smiling and nodding. And she's been sitting here all evening drawing, too. <laughs> There's something okay. about that astragalus that just kind of gets the motor turning over there on creative pursuits. An absolutely safe herb. Um, we, when we started talking about astragalus, I read the contraindications that Stephen gave, and they're basically uh, just if you were using some specific drugs because um, it increases the effects of interferon and acyclovir. Um, but um, that increase in effects is good if um, the person that you're getting the drug from knows that it's happening, has synergistic effects with interferon in the treatment of cervical erosion, and uh, the only drug that you wouldn't want to use it with um, is uh, cyclophosphamide, and thus people with transplanted organs should not be using astragalus. And with that, we once again have come to the end of another delightful show. Wonderful image of you standing outside the store, playing away there, you and the whole band, not just you by yourself, right? Oh, well, it actually was me by myself, and uh, but then one day it was me and my the violin player in the band. And you played the guitar mostly? Yeah, playing guitar and singing, so... Okay, playing guitar. Did they give you money? I mean, yeah, did you have a hat out? I got paid uh, some for doing it by the store, and I also got, I had a tip jar, and I made about $40 in tips. All right, yay, tippers. Tip people <laughs> who make your life beautiful. <laughs> Mobile audience all walking by. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you so much for giving me a spot on the Main Street Universe, and I hear you're expanding and going to have more and different people. What fun. Yeah, yeah, including a Chinese herbalist, <clears throat> so that'll be interesting. Okay, indeed, that will be quite interesting. Yeah, yeah I think he does acupuncture as well. <clears throat> Marvelous. Well, I will be back next week, and we will continue our exploration of herbal antibiotics, natural alternatives 
for Treating Drug-Resistant Bacteria by Stephen Herod-Booner. Okay. Well, thank you so All much right. for joining Good night. Remember, everybody, herbal medicine is people's medicine. It's a medicine that's right outside your door. Good night. Green blessings. All right. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to Green Magic, Green Medicine. Susan, we will be back next Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern Time, continuing on the topic of herbal antibiotics. Thank you all again, and have a great evening. Forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, Magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. Blessed.